Welcome to the Innovation Today podcast, where we speak with today's technology leaders about how they're innovating to stay ahead of changing industry dynamics and reaching new levels of productivity and automation. Brought to you by ServiceNow, your partner in digital transformation. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Innovation Today podcast. I'm your host, David Wilson, Global Area Vice President at ServiceNow. Today, we're excited to welcome two partners from a consulting practice at EY, Dan Pryor and Chris Luckadoo. Chris, if you could just talk to our audience a little bit about your background and, and experience and where your area of focus is at uh, EY. Absolutely. So I'm a uh, partner based uh, out of Charlotte, and uh, my, my primary remit is uh, financial services risk technology and managing that portfolio across all three lines of defense. My true passion is really around helping our clients solve technical debt and control debt. And how do we create a world that we can live in with a connected data model, where it's a risk-based consumption model that each risk athlete can pull down whatever risk data that they need to do their job. So instead of being reactive, we want to be proactive and make the user experience for the risk athlete a very positive one. Thank you. Thank you both, Dan and Chris, for, for the intros. So, Dan, on the heels of you know your answer there, I want to just touch on the data component of, of the response theory. And, Chris, I'm actually going to pivot this question to you, considering your, your intro and your focus on the data piece. You know, as you think about defining data with your customers and as you're hearing their, their answers, like how would you, you know, define data for our audience today? Absolutely. We define data in terms of risk. And so, especially around non-financial risk data, um, it, in financial services, the industry has been heavily regulated around financial risk, and that data has been very well identified, documented, cataloged as well. On the non-financial risk side, it's a little bit harder to track the data, but we're seeing a push from our clients to be able to identify those data elements on the non-financial risk side. They want that uh, ability to do risk scanning across all three lines of defense. It's pushing an integration of risk data amongst all three lines of defense. And they're all having similar and also different needs. But driving the middle of, at the center of this is humans at the center. They want a better experience. They want to do a better job at their own role and being able to contribute to managing risk across the organization. And that's empowered with data. And how do we define that data? And we have to go after that data and we have to categorize the data to put into the now platform that sits there and does the integration, the ingestion, right? And then pushing the data back out to, to the consumers. It's, uh, data is always an important aspect, especially as it relates to risk. And you hit on user experience and the human-centric part of that. How, how would you know, Dan yourself or, or Chris you know, explain that user experience to our audience and, and make it real? Is it more like the consumers, the consumerization side? You know, how does those risk individuals want to see the data and consume the data and, and work from a workflow perspective? Yeah, I think there's a couple aspects to it, right? Uh, the first is understanding what are the persona, right? It's the risk and compliance functions, you know, number one, that need to establish and, and manage these, these processes and how they interact with with te technology, right? Use technology on a day-to-day -day basis. The second is really the business, right? Who own the risks and need to be able to do things in a very simple, intuitive, and, and automated manner, right? And so when you think about those personas, it's really about experience and, and how do you make it easy? And so a lot of what we're seeing in our clients is this focus on not only automation in the risk and compliance space to get out of doing things on paper or spreadsheets, but a transition to technology, as well as thinking about what we call really a, a unified experience. We have a lot of clients we're working with in the ServiceNow space where we're spending time on helping develop portals, helping lev leverage workflow to drive collaboration and activities, activities that today are done in a very disjointed manner in silos, uh, looking at using reporting, whether that is dashboards or extracting data and using analytics to, to make it meaningful, right? And it, it's not just, again, about the data. It's about what does the data mean and what is it telling me? And so the, the last piece I would add is 
thinking about what you're trying to achieve, uh, whether that's metrics, whether that's looking at risk exposure or risk profile, and making sure that that data makes sense, right? Because we have a lot of clients where the board or the C-suite are asking for information, right? The, the days of heat maps, I think we're still going to see them, but they are uh, in, in, in some extent dead, right? Clients want data. Tell me, tell me what tell me what something means, right? And they want quantitative data. And so that's a huge aspect of it when you think about the reporting side. The validation of that is also very, very evident and, and critical for those personas. When, when we think about the landscape of, of risk and IRM, you know, what shifts are you two seeing? I think a couple I would, I would add when we think about uh, commercial on our side. So really dealing with consumer facing sectors, pharma, uh, media and entertainment, a lot of the focus is, you know, number one, the name of the game is data, right? And so there is finally recognition with clients that they need to not only figure out how to harness their own risk data, but also connect that to other types of data within the organization, whether that is information from their ERP system, right? So financial data, uh, their procurement system, their uh, cyber system. So things like incidents, threat intelligence, as well as external data that they could be using in, in, in the environment so that they can truly connect processes and, and data across the organization. The other aspect is this transition to solution architecture. So not just thinking about technology and silos or one capability solving all of my needs. It's about bringing a breadth of capabilities. And, and that's really what's unique about ServiceNow and how we're working with ServiceNow with our clients. It provides the risk capabilities, as well as the broader platform capabilities to provide that unified experience we just talked about, as well as workflow across across functions. And there's more of an opportunity today than there was ever to connect that to other parts of the organization, particularly in the technology space, but we certainly certainly see that evolving. Yeah, I'll add uh, a couple of different megatrends that we're seeing. The, mar the financial services has really evolved over the past 15 years from a regulatory perspective. There's a lot of pressure for the institutions to make sure that they have um, adequate controls in place, um, not only for business as usual, but also uh, ongoing regulatory challenges that they may be experiencing. What that has produced is an environment um, that is very cumbersome from a control perspective and a technical debt perspective. What that means is now the cost of risk has gone up cost of managing risk has gone up. And organizations are really trying to understand across all three lines of, event of defense where they have duplicative responsibilities. How do they dissect that? How do they make sure that they have the right risk resources handling the most urgent pressing risk matters? That's really hard where you have technology band-aids and control band-aids across the organization. So the biggest megatrend that, that we have seen is a consolidation of looking at the risk tech asset portfolio. How does it get rationalized to a platform that can be the golden source of risk data, right? I talked about earlier, what if we could live in a world that, that was a uh, risk-based consumption data reporting? What does that look like? What we've seen is the market asking for that type of platform. Gone are the days of old GRC platforms that are very generic. And what I mean by that is a broadsword, right? And 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 has to be heavily customized. Our clients now are demanding an out-of-the-box solution that's easily deployable that makes the user experience for their their employees better. And also, too, we're also seeing a push from the employees that they want to help contribute to, to the platform itself. It's a citizen-led development. They want a better user experiencing experience. They're demanding it. And I think it's a great feedback mechanism that's going to continue to evolve the platform that sits in the middle. And it's really fun to watch. We've also seen another megatrend where control services and risk, risk activities are being pushed down to the businesses. And they their primary job is to generate revenue not manage risk and control as a, as a full-time job. So they're also demanding innovation, finding a better way to conduct risk and control services with technology automation in the middle to give them better risk insights. 
And so those are some of the, the, the latest trends that we're seeing over the past 12 to 18 months. It has generated a huge demand for the now platform to sit in the middle and be the control system of all risk data and dispersing it across the organization. It's really fun to see this actually coming to fruition. We thought this was going to happen a couple of years ago, and now the technology is evolving to be able to, to manage all the risk data across all three lines. I'd love to just dive deeper into that a little bit more, Chris and Dan, for yourself on the commercial side. You mentioned a little bit about we thought that we would see this a little bit sooner over the past couple of years. We're coming out of the pandemic. You know, digitalization is more important than ever, and it's happening faster now than ever before. Survey that showed 61% of respondents believe a risk profile has changed or will change as a result of this digitalization, you know, the buzzword digital transformation. Like how how are you seeing that you know resonate in you know down our commercial space? And I'd love to hear Chris, you respond to that from the financial side. But I, I'm really curious to you know hear your perspective there. Yeah, I, I think there's tremendous opportunity, and we are working with a number of clients on helping them define what it, what is that North Star, right, to to take advantage of some of those opportunities sooner. A lot of it has to deal with a combination of collaboration across teams and, and getting the right people together to drive the change, but also recognizing that taking a iterative approach, fail fast, uh, and take those lessons learned and, and progress is 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 really the right approach. And sometimes you have to take take the risk, so to speak, right, to to go down that path. Uh, and I'll give you an example. You know, I'm working with a Fortune 100 retailer right now, and we found through our natural interactions with them that in in many cases they were doing things in pockets. They were deploying service now to support their uh, IT risk management needs. They were deploying robotics to help out with controls and controls monitoring. They have a completely separate effort focused on enterprise architecture and understanding what their environment looks like. And it was all being done in silos. And by virtue of the work that we were doing with them, we were able to sit down and help connect those those dots and paint a vision that they could realize sooner because it is capable today. The technology is there. And, and we actually took some, some real examples in their environment from working with them and showed how you could actually connect the, the information you service now as the, the central nervous system, as if, if you will, to, to do what they're ultimately trying to do, which was continuous monitoring, right? They wanted to have complete visibility into their ecosystem. What are the IT risks they were, they were dealing with? And it is going to take time to scale that across the organization, but the first step is, is showing that it works. And, and, and once you have that collaboration across teams, prove it out, it is much easier to scale. But that uh, that term seeing, believing, seeing is believing is is so true. You know, we see that at clients every day. It's always a journey, right? You know, organizations want to make a large leap fast. They want to see time to value fast, but it's ultimately a journey and it's a, it's a collaborative journey, especially when you're trying to break down those silos within, uh, within organizations. So Chris, if, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, those insights from the financial sector. I'd, I'd love to hear your point of view. Absolutely. What we see in the digital agenda is is an effort to ask the question in those first line business functions of how do we automate these manual processes? Um, how do we automate uh, these these manual controls um, that are heavily uh, burdensome on the on on our business users? and slow down the agility of our business. And not only that, but there's also the cost takeout question. And so that digital agenda where we see the next uh, big push into evolu the digital evolution is around customer workflows. And how we see that in, in financial services is how do we start automating um, the disclosure process across uh, multiple products inside of financial services from mortgage to card to lending, right? And and how do we bring those duplicative type of processes and functions together and automate them? And and so that really starts building, okay, the order possible. So we're doing it in one section, right? Okay, let's go to customer onboarding now. How do we cut down the customer onboarding time? Now we start to think about 
how do we get to a real-time situation with a customer and we can start giving them offers based upon a workflow? Then you throw the machine learning in there and it really starts to accelerate that digital agenda that you were referring to earlier. All while all of this data and risk data and the workflow data is all being managed centrally through one platform. And that gives greater insight, greater visibility into the organization's risk profile at the end of the day. And then the focus on how do we help our clients win by generating more revenue and making those frontline functions a lot easier to, to execute. Great insights there. Love the single platform, you know, ServiceNow is that platform for organizations to, to digitally transform themselves and to break down those silos. We've, we've talked to some examples on, you know, customers. If I'm a customer, I'm listening right now or, or thinking about risk, you know, what are some of those early use cases that uh, you, know, you would recommend organizations look at? You know, what's the easy button to start with? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, David. A lot of the conversations, particularly around ServiceNow in this space, we are having with clients, uh, and this is this has really been over the last four weeks, two, two months, is around getting the foundation, foundational data. So when we say foundational data, what are those entities that you would go out and assess for risk or put controls in place around? Because that is that is your chart of accounts, if you will, for risk management with within the technology. And it's, it's so important. We have many clients, some of our most mature clients in the commercial space. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking across consumer, pharma, technology, uh, sat down with a large technology conglomerate the other day who have already been using the platform for things like IT risk management, cyber risk management, third-party risk management, all areas that are, that are going to continue to be a focus, having to take a step back and refine how they have set up some of the basics so that they can scale into your earlier question, realize value more, more quickly. And it just goes to show you how some of those prerequisites are, are so important to, to being able to realize a, a broader end-to-end -end journey with the platform versus focusing on a, on a very specific use case. It's really bringing it together on the platform. So that's one area. You know, the second I would touch on is, is what we call orchestration or uh, collaboration using technology. Right. And so instead of having multiple functions that just happen to use the same platform, working on how do you use the technology and the capabilities provided by the platform to have those functions work together in a more systemic and, and harmonized manner, if you will. Right. We're we're not seeing a lot of companies have appetite for org change or necessarily centralizing, right? What we see around that area is more, what, what do I outsource? You know, how do I take some of those activities that are chores and, and bring those to others? And we work with many clients in, in that space. It's more of how do I use technology to drive that change? And so, again, it hits on that whole unified experience. How do I connect dots? You know, that's a lot of what we're seeing, frankly. If I were to summarize real quick, it sounds like taking that step back doesn't slow an organization down. It actually helps them start to accelerate that approach. I don't think of it as a pause. I, I think of it as... Most clients have a roadmap, and that roadmap could be three to five years, but that roadmap is going to change, right? When you think about, the again, the economic environment and, and other challenges out there, it requires taking a look at that and, and being it. Your priorities may change. The data you bring onto the platform may change and create other opportunities that you may have to pull forward. One of the clients I, I work with that applies very much an agile approach to how they use Service now has said we're, we're not only going to focus on use cases and, and, and making incremental changes to the platform, which is great. They take a step back every month and look at the broader roadmap and say, does this still align with our priorities? Are there new things that we need to add? Are there things we need to change? And having that is so critical. We walk into many clients, they don't even have a roadmap, right? And, you know, an, another, again, focus area to, to get this right. Great to hear there's some customers out there that are maturing in that way to take a step back and building that roadmap and that journey and not thinking about a long-term, but even the near-term cycle to really understand what the business issues are and being able to address those in a very iterative way. Uh, so Chris, over to you on the, on the financial side. You know, we'd love to understand some of those 
those insights from your perspective there as well. Absolutely. What what I see is 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 there's an excitement around in in my world uh, the the IRM we organizations buying IRM, and I liken that to it's like my kids on Christmas morning. They have the gifts out and they want to start ripping open the gifts. And I, and I tell them to slow down a little bit because you're going to be out of gifts. And then it starts the, the, the time where dad starts putting together all of the toys. That takes time. Dad, I don't understand why this 5,000 piece Millennium Falcon can't be built right now. So I liken that to our clients to say, we have to start with the end in mind. And what is the end? a successful adoption of the platform. Yes, we have all of these cool new features and gifts in the platform, but how do we drive successful adoption? And that really starts with what Dan was talking about. What is your North Star? How do you stage the implementation of the different components of IRM? You don't want to lift two big rocks at the same time, such as RCSA and issues management that most likely will not drive successful adoption. I've seen that movie several times. User stories get way out of whack as they try to accelerate um, the, the, the development of user stories. So we encourage our clients to take a step back and think about where's the low-hanging fruit to get that quick win for adoption. And then we tackle the big rocks one at a time. We get those right and we gain some acceleration around the implementation plan, and then we just start knocking down the dominoes. And that's really what we encourage with our clients is to think holistically that this is a journey. Yes, the now platform, we can uh, take an you know, out-of-the-box approach, but it has to be a very measured approach to drive successful adoption with our clients and to manage risk throughout that implementation. There's also, <laughs> you know, the, the institutions are still trying to run their day jobs and, and and operate a business at the same time while they're driving transformation. So that has to be very measured um, as, as organizations are, are going across this, this digital journey. I would say the other thing around the excitement piece that I mentioned earlier is once those core risk services go into place from a tech perspective, they're just there's a lot of synergy and, and citizen development around well, what else can we do and what else can we do? So you have to manage the information funnel as well because there is so much excitement around what the platform can do and how it can be deployed and what what desirable outcomes that the organization wants to achieve. So I'm super excited with our clients and and in this journey with them and and helping them and and being their guide along the way. And it's it's been a lot of fun, a lot of long nights, uh, a lot of debates. And um, but at the end of the day, it's it's really cool to see a successful adoption at the end of the journey and to look back and go, that was the right decision. Look at the agility that we've gained as a business to be able to manage risk, lower costs, and drive revenue and win in the market. Sounds to me like a yes. <laughs> uh, Chris, let's say with you, you know, I know you're predominantly focused in the financial space, right? But when you think about organizational size or geographic presence, are there major differences? Yes. And what I mean by that is you don't necessarily need a large bank solution from a deployment perspective that a, um, a smaller community bank or a regional bank would, would, would need. And so how do you retrofit those needs and services based upon the geo or the size of the institution? And it's not a one size fits all, right? There's some, some, some pros and cons of, of being the the, the, the big boy on the block versus uh, what I'll call the little brother. And we really pride ourselves and our teams pride ourselves on being able to craft that plan for our clients to make sure that there are successful out outcomes and drive successful adoption across the organization. Dan, over to you in the commercial space. I'm sure you see some, some differences, you know, organizational size, geographic presence. There are some insights that we could share with our audience today around you know, your point of view there. Yeah, certainly by sector as well as 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 well as geographic presence. When you think about our our more multinational global clients, you know the clients that are in uh, the more regulated sectors, whether that is pharma or you know what we call con consumer facing, and that could be consumer 
consumer retail or advanced manufacturing clients, uh, aerospace and defense, as as an example, their challenges are a bit different, right? Because they're you have you have pharma clients dealing with FDA, GXP requirements, and some of those things go all the way down to you know the shop floor, right? Or or a lab when you think about clinical clinical trials, and then we have uh, other clients consumer facing. You have to worry about things like PCI. Uh, pri- privacy is a big one, right? And in many cases, that that stems a lot of our clients, particularly those that have operations over over in Europe. Uh, so there's there's kind of the, the, the gamut there, in, in, in terms of what we see, but it, a lot of it comes down to what are their specific risks and regulatory obligations. The the other aspect that comes into play when you think about size is the larger ones uh, tend to focus on how do I make sure we're building in-house capability and leveraging technology across the board. Some of our smaller clients who don't have the uh, the bandwidth or are just not there in their journey, right? They're trying to accelerate growth and, and that's their focus. Their focus is still leveraging technology. It might just be in a more uh, consistent out of the box manner, right? In many cases, they'll, they'll come to us and say, EY, are there aspects that you can come in and supplement our team? And, and, and work with us and bring and bring your capabilities. So those are some of the differences, but but certainly sector is probably the more predominant one in terms of just when we think about commercial, it, it's it's a huge marketplace for for us. But it's it's really just what's unique in in each of those sectors and how you know how they're responding to those various requirements and, and change. Highlights the the value that UI brings to those organizations. You know your industry experience, expertise, as well as the knowledge around the ServiceNow platform. Let's let's move on to our next question. And you know, Dan, you just talked about investment in technology. You know, how are your customers today investing in technology? Where are they focused? Well, it, it's interesting, and and it'd be great for Chris to chime in chime in on this as well. When when we look at our clients, a lot of their thinking goes back to solution architecture. Right. So that retail client I mentioned, they actually made some organizational changes and have moved a lot of capabilities under a chief technology officer. And the capabilities that that they're looking at harnessing across the organization include ServiceNow as a platform. It includes robotics, process automation or RPA, uh, machine learning, uh, AI to, to some extent. And, you know, we're also seeing Web3 kind of pop up uh, on, on organizations that, that have more of a more of a digital presence. But what they're thinking about is how do I deploy all of these capabilities to start to realize change? And that change could be cost reduction, automation, or as Chris talked about, how do I interact with my with my customers? And then taking it up a level to, to connect the dots, right? And that's been uh, super exciting because we haven't seen that. You know, when I go back five to 10 years, it used to always be about what's the best technology and, and platform to put in your environment. And, and now we're seeing companies think bigger and broader to, to, to drive change within, within their environment. I would say we've seen a closer alignment of the business strategy with, with the tech strategy. At EY, we think of that as business-led and tech-enabled, and they run hand-in-hand. Hand. You can't have one without the other. But when we, we take a couple steps back and we look at how organizations view their technology there there was a, a push over the past five years to look at technology features without truly thinking about the rationalization of the complete technology portfolio, especially in the risk space. We see several of our clients um, having ongoing challenges looking at different GRC platforms, different what I'll call risk tech assets. They're They're trying to understand the licensing structure that they have and the true value that they're getting out of the total risk technology asset portfolio. And a lot of questions are being asked, how do these tech assets truly support the business strategy? And a lot of the times there's significant technology spend with platforms that may not be producing the value that's been expected or haven't evolved with the needs of the business strategy as well. And so there has to be a broader view around what do we need for the future? What does our tech asset portfolio look like in five years? Where do we need to place our spend? If it's all about data, how do we build a true organizational risk data model? 
and make sure that it can be accessed all across the organization. And so that's the journey that we're pushing our clients now to really look at your risk tech assets. Are they valuable? Can they execute and bring you true value? And is there a cost takeout play based upon your licensing structure across that portfolio? Right. And at the end of the day, we think the true winner will be the platform that can be the golden source of data to disperse across the organization. The way we're, we're talking about that approach with, with clients is, is what we call IRM plus, right? So not just IRM to, to, to those service now folks out there, our risk folks out there, integrated risk management, it's integrated risk management plus, right? And, and we think of that as a, a product led approach. So, so service now in this case, and wrapping that with assets that that we bring to the table, Nexus for Risk is is one of them, and you know Chris can can comment on that because we've seen a lot of adoption and interest in in the financial services space, and we're trying to bring that to commercial clients, but also using those emerging technologies, right? So ServiceNow at the center, wrapping that around with analytics, whether that's Power BI, you know, there's certain plugins you can use to make that really easy and external data as an example, right? How do you, how do you think about that, that architecture? And so that's, that's the mindset that, that we're trying to bring to our clients. And even just as, as a consulting firm, you know, we talk about technology in the risk space. We don't want it just to be one dimensional. It's not just GRC tech anymore. It's not just risk and controls around your ERP system. It's how do you think about analytics how do you think about dashboarding blockchain is another area of opportunity and, and, and certainly ai so it's it's really the a mix of capabilities that we can bundle uh, as we talk to clients as well as thinking about what they have available to to ultimately solve a problem or improve a process sounds to me like that irm plus is the the three-legged stool right the people process technology which is the old adage that uh, you know we've all lived within for years when we talk about, you know, organizations and their digitalization projects, right? A third of them say that their digitalization projects will take three years or more. How can IRM Plus help them accelerate that while also managing, you know, their growing risk exposure? I think that's a great question. So as we think about the IRM Plus solution, it, it's, it's, it's a methodology that wraps in use cases and solutions to help accelerate um, that successful adoption I was talking about. And to ignite that uh, implementation plan and roadmap and operating model going forward. But that operating model has to be aligned with what the business strategy is. And so we have to figure out from a transformational perspective, how do we create a dedicated function to manage the transformation that's very separate from business as usual going forward? And so to be able to separate those two is, is, is challenging because you have uh, professionals that have their day job and then this is their night job to drive transformation, right? But you truly have to carve those two things out, right, for a successful implementation and to drive a positive adoption. And so with that agenda, where do you truly put your assets uh, and, and, and your resources to drive those assets? With IRM Plus, that's what we help accelerate is the issues management solution. IRM Plus drives the RCSA module of IRM, right, from, from a now platform perspective. We drive a, a product-led approach, as Dan talked about, very much close to out of the box as possible. And then we think about future releases for additional functionality. But once we get the foothold in place and the success, successful adoption, then we can start adding incremental changes. And so we bring these pre-configured solutions as a part of IRM Plus to our clients to help accelerate some of that implementation plan. I think that's unique, taking a product approach to it instead of just a traditional implementation and deployment approach. That's, uh, that's unique and it's a differentiator for, for UI. You know, what are some of those key considerations or success factors for organizations to get it right? You know, I think that's a great question and, and you beat me to the punch on that one. But um, Dan talked about taking a pause earlier and to think about successful tech enablement, you really have to look at the data structure underneath and to make sure that all of your taxonomies are clean and have that you have, you have managed good hygiene around your taxonomies, your process taxonomy, your organizational taxonomy your control taxonomy, your risk hierarchy, 
all of it being brought together, rationalized, and everybody agrees that we are on the same playing field across the same risk, across the same processes with identified control sets. That produces fantastic reporting inside of the now platform. And like I said, I go back to the Christmas analogy of being excited about all these features and functions. You have to build the foundation of the house, right? You have to pour the footers before you can wire the house with electricity or the house is going to cave. So at the end of the day, that's why we want to make sure that we have that su successful operating model and roadmap to, to drive that successful adoption. And I, I would just add, you know, I think, I think that is really fundamental. The other areas that we see is a lot of clients focus on getting the technology in place, right? The, the implementation, but they don't look past that. And looking past that is not just support, it's continuous improvement. And in this space, it's really a combination of unique skill sets. You can't just take a technologist and throw them in the room with your risk and compliance folks and expect a, a, a solution to pop up. And, and that's why Chris talked about the whole citizens-led approach, right? You, you need their inputs. And when we're talking with clients about how we work with them, it's about having the technical skill sets to get the job done, but also the functional experience to really understand what are you even trying to automate and solve for, right? If you're talking with a cyber team, you need your cyber security folks in the room, just as you're talking with a compliance team or supply chain or finance, you need both functional and technical skill sets to get this right. And when a company thinks about, you know, what happens after go live, whether that's relying on a, on a partner and, and we do this in many cases, we'll, we'll help a client continue to manage their, their, their environment and, and, and scale, but making sure they have the right capabilities in place. And then the last piece, you know, that, that clearly is important because we've, we've both talked about it several times here is understanding the impact at end users, right? And making sure change management and adoption has been considered along the way. Another area that's often underestimated, right? Training doesn't happen until two weeks before go live, right? And then you're expected to just, you know, turn it on and everybody's supposed to go in there and pump in their wrists and, and controls. But building, it's, yeah, it's magic, right? It happens overnight. Building that into the rhythm of how you think about and, and use technology in your environment, as well as, again, going back to keeping humans at the center, right? How do you how do you build in that experience to not just achieve your objectives, but provide an experience where they're going to get excited about it, right? They want to interface with you. They want to give you their data. They 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 want to take the insights and, and make decisions around it because that's going to drive adoption. And then there's more things you can do because you've, you've already cleared some of those barriers, right? And so that that is just so important. Organizational collaboration of breaking down those silos and hitting all those different personas that you just talked about. And ensuring that there's, you know, Chris, your point, that level playing field. We'll talk about Legos here, but, you know, the green foundation, right? Before we even start to assemble the 5,000 uh, piece Lego set, right? We've got to make sure that that foundation is laid and things are well understood. Once those, the taxonomies are set, now we can start looking at thematic based issues. And where can we start pinpointing control sets that are failing? Now we can start bringing in incident data and doing cross-correlation analysis between incidents and issues. And now we have true acceleration on enhancing our risk capabilities, right? And what controls need to change? What controls are, need to be automated that are way too manual, that have way too much human error involved? And so how do we drive down that risk and we talked about, Dan talked about the evolution of what do you do after implementation? Now we start thinking about how do we use data better, that the data hygiene is clean now and being able to drive those risk-based insights. And again, that's the IRM plus methodology helps guide some of those capabilities to, to develop as you think about your roadmap two to three years down the road. Visualization there of once the once the system's working, right, the process is working, the data's working, you can then start to incorporate where, where are things taking longer, right? How can we actually improve that process? How can we, you know, avoid those items actually, you know, hitting us and having to be remediated and addressed? So it sounds like a great approach. Um, and as we think about that, right, where, if, if I'm interested in this topic, like, where would I start? 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. And Dan, you chime in here in just a second. But I think it really goes back to looking at your risk technology asset portfolio. And Dan talked about the North Star. What, where are you trying to go and what are you trying to achieve? Let's not think about opening those, those presents all at once on Christmas and I want this shiny new toy. Let's think holistically of how technology is going to enable the business strategy going, going across the enterprise. And so that's really around step one. Step two is, okay, now that we have um, the, the, the business strategy and, and the tech enablement curiosity, how do we go identify platforms or platform consolidation plan to, to, to enable that tech strategy and the business strategy? And at that point, it's a view into how do we hit the easy button on adoption? What platform can do that? And then you start looking at, okay, how fast can I get this product in place? And then what does the maintenance cost look like over the next three to five years? And where do I get value from that tech asset? It's a great question because a lot of clients tend to dive into the weeds rather than taking a step back and first thinking about as, as an organization at a macro level, what are we trying to do? Is it penetrating new emerging markets? Is it rolling out new products? Is it thinking about how we leverage data to better deliver services to our customers? Because that is the starting point. The second piece is what, what are the risks to your organization, to your strategy? Because at some point, companies have to make decisions around what are those risks that they care about and what are those risks that they're willing to accept or, or manage to a reasonable level, right? Before you even get into how you're going to execute against that, you got to have at least some view that will drive your, your decision-making because wh why would you invest time on some areas that there's always going to be risks that you have to you have to live with. It doesn't mean you don't understand that risk. You certainly need to understand it and spend time there. And, and that's what we see a lot of clients having to take a step back to and, and pivot to, particularly on some of these topics when you think about third-party risk or supply chain risk. That, that's a great one where we have a lot of clients trying to understand, well, what, what third parties do they even care about, right? And when you think about IT risk, well, is it is it the crown jewels or is it some of these smaller systems that touch customers, right? There's there's risk around all of those, but what does it mean? And then once you have an understanding of that or can at least tackle, you know, here's the the burning platform out there. Here's what's going to impact our strategy that could impact delivery to customers or as customers or share price. Now you can focus on what's going to make the biggest impact to the to the organization. And in many cases, you know, some of the areas that you will spend time on are going to set a foundation to then scale other areas. But I, I find sometimes taking that step back and thinking about how does the C-suite think about it or how does the board think about it is important because that'll help make sure you, you are bringing the big picture while at the same time having to focus on some of those tactical tactical areas. That makes a ton of sense, Dan and Chris. Thanks for that. You know, when we think about when organizations get started, like what are some of the major misses or areas that they lack investment in that they should consider? Foundational data, training, uh, end user experience, uh, understanding what is even happening today in the organization. Uh, we're talking to a, a large uh, consumer products company right now, collaborating with, with ServiceNow, and we even as teams serving, serving them as a, as a partner in their ecosystem had to take a step back and look at, well, we're seeing a lot of things happen that are that are disjointed. In many areas, we're plugged in that we see value being created by actually connecting those dots. And so we're working with them on how do you how do you do that in in a way that actually could be transformative and and provide value, right? And so I think sometimes it is a little bit of taking stock and you know, nobody likes to do current state assessments, right? They they think that it, it, it takes takes time, money, and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't solve for anything right away, but sometimes you have to understand where you are to then figure out well, what, what, what's the roadmap or, or path I have to take to get to, to get the target state. And so it can be a very small effort, but laying that out really helps you see the light in, in many cases. Right. And, and we have to do that with clients to figure out where to go. Time opens the doors and opens the visibility to everything that's actually in front of you that 
creates the roadmap of the easy button, Chris, that you alluded to. Any other insights, Chris, there that you'd like to share? Yeah, I just want to acknowledge, you know, for our clients that change is difficult. Transformation is hard. And you will experience some scars going through it. And there will be some missteps. You know, this has been a great session, but I don't want to create a picture of sunshine and rainbows um, the whole time. It, it, transformation is hard, but it's if you do it right and you get a successful adoption, you know, at the end of the rainbow, right, there, there, there are positive outcomes and being able to evolve your business. And, and we talked about the alignment earlier of, of you know, tech strategy and, and business strategy. I will say some of the missteps that we see and, and Bill McDermott talked about it this morning is there, the market, the tech market just doesn't have enough trained service now professionals. There is a huge need to upskill the community. And um, I empathize with corporate technology departments that are having to manage different bespoke uh, topics from a, a platform perspective. And it's tough. It's extremely tough and, and, and one trying to keep the lights on, but the expectations around transformation, um, and, and building new technology domains around different knowledge sets, different topics. Right. And that's where the true user experience comes into play. And, and one of the biggest themes that we see is there's just not enough time built upon that user experience and gathering that input. Again, people have their day jobs. They, you know, it's really tough for them to go sit in a four-hour user story uh, development um, session, right? And we've all been in those, and and they can be tedious and monotonous. But at the end of the day, they are worth it. I will say, when technology departments realize kind of where their their capabilities stop and acknowledge that they need help, there's that's when the synergy starts at that point. And when you need help, raise your hand. Let's identify the assets that you need to help enable these parts of the platform. And, and that's where really, I think a lot of, um, maturation can occur during these, these, these type of large implementations. And that's why it's so important. I talked about the implementation plan and the staging process earlier, right. To identify some of those gaps and let's be honest with ourselves. One, that change is hard. And two, I don't have all the answers from a corporate IT department perspective. And we want to get this right because we're going to have to live with the platform at the end of the day. And so I think this is super important to really just acknowledge what corporate IT departments are dealing with, right? And the change demand and the change cycle that's being placed on them by the business. Significant disruption right now yes. across the entire landscape. This is just one slice of that landscape that they're having to deal with. And change is hard. Change is hard across the organization and, and the enterprise. As we think about the direction ahead, as we think about the environment um, that our customers are, are having to evolve in, where where do you see the space headed and evolving in relation to tech and your customers' environment? Well, I, I think you know from a solution architecture standpoint, we will continue to see not only clients looking at using a combination of technologies, but expanding their usage of, of emerging tech where, where it makes sense, right? And, and, and one that we just constantly see on the news, I think there was a, a meeting with, with, with lawmakers today on the topic is, is artificial intelligence, right? And how does that, how does that come into play? And, and we have some use cases that we're already working through in this space uh, because it could be a huge game changer or competitive advantage when you think about the applicability, right? Having to be able to rationalize risk and regulatory requirements or the other one that we the other use case we, we, we get questions around or, or challenges for companies that serve other regulated organizations, right? Their, their customers or deliver products that are subject to certain requirements, right? So that could be technology, it could be aerospace and defense, could even be consumer goods in some cases. They receive requests from their, their customers to understand their risk and compliance environment, right? Because they, they want to make sure that they're working with someone that has the right risk and compliance posture, can can develop and deliver goods that, that meet their requirement. That's another area where AI may be able to help drive drive scale and how they respond to those requests and interact with your customers. A lot of that is is fairly standardized, right? But as 
the environment changes, you need to incorporate those changes within your environment, right? And that that's the first piece. And then be able to respond and satisfy your customers' inquiries and in, in, in how you are managing risk and compliance uh, within your organization, but as well as what you're what you're providing to them. So we, we see those as certainly areas of, of opportunity. Identification, as you think about those business partners of organizations, organizations are going through massive you know, digitalization. Their business partners are going through the same digitalization, and that's expanding their risk profile. Um, and so making sure that they're considering that as they're engaging with their business partners becomes extremely important. Chris, any, any insights that you'd like to share? Yeah, I had a conversation the other day with a, a chief compliance officer around what keeps him up at night. And he told me that the not being able to answer the question around, are we compliant with every applicable laws, rules, regs, obligations is a massive undertaking. He felt like he never has his arms around it. There's so many disparate technology assets that are in play to give him that answer. And there's just not a lot of confidence in the, the answers that, that he gets. He wanted to create a world where the, a platform or an analytical view into all of the laws, rules, regs, and obligations um, in a dashboard format. And how do you consolidate all of the compliance data and using AI, right, to map the reg regulatory requirements out to those taxonomies as we talked about. So I, I see moving to an environment, especially in, in the compliance world around how do we quickly answer the, am I compliant with these certain regulations, yes or no? And does that answer vacillate from yes to no all the time? But how do you, how do you keep up with the trend of yes or no around compliance? And I think that's the continued struggle. And how do you use technology to slow that that curve of the yes or no? And that's all about making sure that you have that data model in place and being able to use an AI type of type of capability to constantly manage and monitor control sets that are mapped back to those laws, rules, and regs and obligations. And so it's not a question that's going to be solved overnight, but I do think with the rapid di digitization of the platforms in place now, especially the now platform, that we're getting to an answer quicker and quicker. Look, Dan, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I know our listeners will get a lot out of our conversation. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, David. Really enjoyed being here. And thank you all to our listeners. Please subscribe and share if you like what you heard today and be sure to join us for our next episode.